Alright, good afternoon church. My name is Jordan Green. Um, wasn't that just an amazing service so far? Let's give it up for the team. You know, I love how when we decide to listen to God's calling, that God transforms us and changes us from the inside out. But you know, there's a problem in our world today. It's a problem that faces mankind right now. It is the inability to truly listen to God. Oftentimes we want to ask the question, why can't we? When in fact the better question is, why won't we? It is selective listening. And this is outlined in the scripture in 2 Timothy 4 verse 3. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. In life, we choose what voice we want to listen to. Either the comforting, encouraging voice of Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit, or the deceptive voice of Satan and his demons. And how do we know whose voice is whose? And how do we learn to truly choose to listen to the voice of God? First, you must turn your ears. Listening is a crucial skill to learn in our life. We learn not only from teachers, but from parents, from bosses, and many others. And just like listening is essential to success in the physical life, the same truth applies in our spiritual life. But like I said before, the problem is not with the one speaking, but our response to his words. I want to show a video right now. Okay, but I have to yell at you guys. Okay, what? Everything they do at this house, they can't touch everything at Brother's house. Okay? Okay, then what? Then you're not listening to me. Then you're not listening to me. I asked you not to do something. No, no, but listen to me. Look at If we do something, if you get that out, that bird thing off, you're going to break it. Okay, but I'm asking, I'm letting you know but that you cannot. No, I'm. You're not listening to me. Listen to me now. Listen to me now. No, you're not listening. I said no cupcakes. Okay. I don't know what your first reaction is when you see this, but I get frustrated. I'm like, what is this kid doing? Like, he's talking to his parents like that? Oh, man. But the ironic thing is, that's us. That's us with God. How many times has God told us something we're just like, listen, 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 listen? Yeah. It's like we're just covering our ears, refusing to listen what He has to say. But God wants us to open our ears, to be willing to listen to Him. So how does the Lord speak to us? He speaks to us in three different ways. The first being His Spirit. The Spirit. The Spirit of God. The same one that hovered over the waters in Genesis at the creation of the world. And the same one mentioned in John 14.26 that says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I have said to you. To those who have been baptized and been given His Spirit, this is the same one resting inside of us. God's Spirit literally speaks to us and not only teaches us all things, but reminds us of Jesus' words and what He says. It's this good voice that are saying, this is God's will. Do it. I like to think of the Spirit, just, just, um, just stay with me here, like a voice on Google Maps. <laughs> you know, you can't necessarily see it, but you know it's there telling you, go one mile and turn right. 
Or if you have your phone in Spanish like I do, en tres punto mías da cuenta a la derecha. <laughs> Or do a complete 180 degrees and turn around right now because you missed your turn. <laughs> That's the spirit. The question is, how dependent are you on that voice? Are you like, oh yeah, I've driven this before. I know what I'm doing. Or do you actively listen to the voice? Relying on God to work it out. Instead of listening, we are the ones just doing the talking. We should be listening to that voice. Who would you rather be dependent on? The person that sees with only two eyes in front of them? Or the one who has a view of the whole world all at once? Are we the direction taker or the direction maker? God wants us to trust His Spirit who will never lead us astray. With the Spirit leading, there's no reason to doubt our direction. For the Spirit will always lead us toward the path that God desires. Not only does God speak through His Spirit, but He speaks through His Word. This is the sword of the Spirit. This is the revelation from God to book, from God to man in book format. The Word answers many questions like, Who is God? And how do you know what pleases Him? And how are you even saved? And His Word is effective. Like in the scripture of Isaiah 55 verse 11, which says, So is my Word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God is faithful, and His Word is effective. So in order to be transformed by God, we have to open our ears to His Word, which means reading it. You know, I have a friend at school who loves coffee. She drinks it every day, and she even wrote a poem about it. And do you know why and how I know she loves it? Because she does it every day. She spends time with her coffee every day, putting the milk and yeah, all that stuff. And the same is true with God. How does He know you love Him if you aren't even spending part of your day every day with Him? Reading the Word is great. It allows us to know whose voice is whose, whether the voice of Jesus or the voice of Satan. Let's not try and twist the Word to fit into our sin or just flat out not obey. The Bible doesn't specifically say, don't vape, don't smoke cigars, don't do stuff like that. But just because it doesn't say it, doesn't mean we're allowed to do it. Not only are there sins of commission, but there are sins of omission. We can have head knowledge about the Bible, but not really obey the most basic commands from God. I have a question. Does knowing more make us more obedient? And what does it mean to cling to God's Word? Well, Jesus answers that question in John 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed Him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We don't know what it is like to really become a disciple until we hold to His teachings. Now, I want to thank Mr. Derek for helping the church these past few weeks through the conversion process and how someone really becomes a disciple and how you really don't know what it's going to be like to become a disciple unless you do what it says. And I didn't know what what a disciple was until I held to his teachings. Just because I went to church and hung around all these people doesn't mean I was part of God's kingdom. So how has his word set us free? You know, I can think of before when I was a disciple, how self-focused and unloving I was. I wanted to do what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted. That's how I wanted it. And if I didn't get my way, I was upset. And it wasn't until I became a disciple, I not only read about but followed Jesus' commands of loving Him and others, was I truly set free from my futile thinking. By obeying the commands of love, I was set free from my sinful, selfish thinking and began to think of how to pour myself out to others and to God. 
No, a disciple that holds to the teachings, that doesn't just stop when you become a Christian, but that c- continues as you keep going on, as you grow older and older. I think of even now in my life, how when I can get really worried or stressed about school, that I had to cling to God's promises, attributes, and words that help me get through inner, inner battles and inner doubts of Him. And we are still being changed by His Word, and you can too. Finally, the last way God speaks to us is through other people. God reveals Himself and His will for our lives to other people. It is not in just only how we get advice and learn from their experiences, but how we gain the responsibility to show what we have learned to let other people know about Jesus. This is the challenge for us. Having selective listening is for us hearing what other people might be saying or just shrugging them off. Or like Proverbs 11.14 that says, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. We can learn so much about what people God has put in our lives. We have sin and that we cannot overcome without Him. And God graciously puts mentors and other people in our lives to help us overcome. I just want to lift up people like Tim Anderson uh, for teaching for teaching me to trust God with my schoolwork, because algebra was rough, got to be honest, and evaluate where I spend my time. For Luis Herrera, for teaching me to be okay with being uncomfortable, even if it means eating spicy Mexican food. <laughs> and for many others in my life, who helped me get closer to God and help me remember my Lord's words. I need examples and people in my life to help teach me to overcome. Because of the older mentor's examples of experience, passion, and love, I can give and love to people in a way that I couldn't. You know, as a senior about to graduate, it would have been so easy to check out. Have senioritis feel like, I'm going off to college. I don't really care about the time I have now. I'm out. I don't have time for people. But instead, older people have shown me great examples of love and learning to make the most of every opportunity that we have. So I got to spend time with younger guys and all of the awesome teens that we have here. And it was such an amazing time to really get to know people and grow and serve with them. And also, um, I helped lead the worship for the teens, and I could have just halfway did it, because I'm a senior, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. But because I was inspired, and I learned from the older generations about having a great heart of helping lead people to God, and that allowed me to invest and spend time with those people. And I'm so grateful for just the amazing times of fun and worship that I've been able to have with all the teens, and even you. Um, You know, we, we have an obligation to pass down knowledge. We have a responsibility not only to learn from our mentors, but be the light ourselves. You know, after all, life is really about relationships. We can make the choice of not listening to God and not getting good grades or being like the world or not showing our light to others. It really does matter what we do. All eyes are on us watching. But don't let that discourage you. Let that inspire you to use your actions to do great things for God and His kingdom. You know, after we examine the need to turn our ears, you must open your heart. When was the last time you've been amazed by God? Think about it for just a minute. What about God amazes you? Is it His power, His love, His only Son, His grace, His forgiveness? The honest truth is, sometimes we only see what we want to see. Truly, there is so much to be amazed at God at. And yet, when it comes to listening and then obeying, we find all these excuses for what we don't really see or hear Him. If not, then what is stopping you? In order to stop that temptation of selective listening, we must open our hearts and see the power in Jesus' voice. Turn with me to Matthew 8, verse 24. 
It says, Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Then the disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves. And it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Can you even being imagine, like, imagine him being in a situation like that? We've had some crazy hailstorms, <laughs> and there must have been like a ton of roofs that were needed replacing. And if you thought those hailstorms were bad a couple weeks ago, you should have seen this. You know, the waves were crashing against the boat, darkness across the whole sky, cold, piercing rain soaking your whole body. And then there's Jesus. With his voice, he calmed the winds and the waves. They stopped. Wow. I ask, can you even imagine being in a situation like this? Well, the truth is, you have. You've been in the storms when you lost your job, when your friends don't accept your new way of life, when someone in your family leaves God, when you're fighting the temptations of the world. The storms are smashing against your boat, and there is only one power, one God, who can stop them, and that is Jesus Christ. How can you see God's power in your life today? You know, I think that the key part of opening your heart is humility. Without humility, we don't see how amazing God is because we're too focused on ourselves. We need to know who we stand in the presence of. I think if we really grasp that concept of who we stood in front of, the man who calms the seas and casts out the demons, who raises the dead, who opens the eyes of the blind and makes the deaf hear, we would listen more if we knew who we stood in the presence of. This illustration may help you when thinking about humility. Now, how deep are the sores in your knees? When we are going before our King and Lord, how deep are the impressions that we get as we fall down? Are we humbly bowing before Him or just standing up listening but still defiant? He wants us to choose to obey Him. It's not like we are a plant or some sort of star without a free will. We have one, and it's about our heart. And we had to know that our choices will lead to life or death and that we get to decide to choose that. But what else could really lead to obedience besides humility? This is the kind of heart that should be towards God's statues. In Psalm 119, it reads, starting in verse 33, it says, Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding, so that I may keep your law and obey it with all of my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart towards your statutes, and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. You know, in my life, I was blessed to be part of the band for a long time. I had some great memories. I learned a lot about music. But as this past summer rolled around, I started going to band camp. I began to evaluate how band was affecting my life. And I just want to say, I do not think band is the devil. But, like all things, they cannot and will not take priority or first place over my relationship with God. Now, I realized that band was affecting me spiritually and affecting my heart. Because not only was I so tired from doing band and cross-country, I would barely have times to read the Bible. It caused me to miss times when the church would gather and miss out on building greater relationships. I began to pull my heart away as I found my want for acceptance from friends in band. And you know, ultimately, I made the decision to quit band because I couldn't stand to live like that any longer. I wanted to use the little time I had here to be effective for God in His kingdom. I remember the night before, um, he got us all in a huge circle and we were inside. The band director was speaking and he said, when you pick up your horn, when you pick up your instrument, whatever, that it was your life. And right there I said, 
Nah, Jesus is my life. Not banned. And let's say, um, when I quit, uh, the response was anything but righteous from what a man claiming to be a Christian was. And I was tempted to be made guilty for my decision. But what I did, I did not regret in the least bit. And it paid off. Because of not having banned, I was able to give more of my time to my physical family and my spiritual family. Because of not having banned, I was able to be more on top of my homework and not have as much stress put on me. Because of not being in band, I was able to be part of a mentorship program with a Grammy award-winning composer. Because of not being in band, I was able to study the Bible with people and build long-lasting friendships with amazing disciples. I have truly been blessed. Now, I was trying to use band for God and share this with people, and I know He wanted me to use music for His glory. But at that point in time, band was not the best place for me to be in. Band was not worthless. I learned a lot about character and a lot about perseverance, but to me, band was of less worth than what I desired to give my time to. If you're a disciple athlete or a band member or any part of extracurricular activities, you can make an impact. But I, I had to be honest about what would benefit me more spiritually. Nothing should come between our relationship with God. So how do we stop having selective hearing? Open your ears to His Spirit. Let it guide you. Open your ears to His Word. Let it teach you. Open your ears to His people. Let them inspire you. Open your heart to God and be humble. Be willing to get down on your knees before God and be inspired by what He has done and what He will continue to do in your life if you submit to Him. God is the priority. So open your ears and open your heart. Thank you. Tag team wrestling here. Good cop, bad cop. I'm the good cop. No, I'm just kidding. I'm really proud of Jordan and all the teens, all our youth here this uh, afternoon. You know, I'm honored that uh, Jordan would want to share uh, this, this time, this lesson with me that uh, he would allow me to speak on one of his final points that he wanted to make, which was uh, open your mouth. And he said, you know, hey, uh, I'd like that to be the final point. Is that something you could speak on? I said, yeah, I, I think I can open my mouth and talk about that. And so uh, that's what I want to do here as we close out. And I look around and I know that despite there's the generation gaps here, speaking as a millennial and, uh, you know, many generations pres- represented here and our youth, right? Um, you know, there's different backgrounds and all of that. But the thing that we do have in common is that we are all on a journey. We're all on a journey here. And sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we ask ourselves, how did I even get here? You know, we can... We choose to listen to or not listen to, and uh, depending on what we listen to or not, it will determine our fate and the fate of those around us. I do believe in prayer. I do believe that God works in mysterious ways. But I think somehow that may be the easier part of things. The hard part may be listening after we pray. And so what kind of faith do we actually have to see what God is truly telling us? Whether you see it or not, we're constantly making choices to go to the left or go to the right. You take a look uh, at your life and you reflect on it. 
You see the decisions and the choices that you have made that have got you to this place. You've decided to get here instead of there. You've chosen this college instead of that college to live here instead of there, to take this job instead of that job. And all these choices here, a whole host of them, have gotten you to this place here. And some decisions you look back at with fond you know, memories, very fondly. And then there are some decisions that you look back at with your life and you look at them with shame. Shame that you continue to be at the same place over and over again. You continue to say the same prayers, make the same decisions, but yet not do anything about it. And maybe that's your story. Maybe that's how you feel here this afternoon, that you just ended up here, that this is by chance, that you're just here by coincidence. You know, I don't believe that to be true for a second. I believe that God has a plan for you. I believe that He sent you here to listen to Him today. Whether this is your first, first time, whether this is your millionth time, the fact that you're here means something. This right here, this is not something normal. Especially on a Sunday where teens are doing most of the uh, preaching and singing and speaking up here. This is not normal. And yet, you know, we have a hard time thinking that when God is moving, that, you know, the, God is moving. He's putting people in our lives. He's working through your sons, your daughters, through your family members, through uh, random people in your life. And we have a hard time believing that God is working. But we see, you know, these dads, you know, save their kids from a falling chair, from a falling table, you know. Oh, that's just, you know, that's instinct, you know. They got it. That's normal. That's a thing. But when God is doing that. He's calling you and I to grab our attention. We deny who He is. We go, that's just coincidence. I mean, that just happened. That's nothing. But I want us to open our hearts and turn our ears to the possibility that God is trying to accomplish something that is bigger than you and I. And you know, the Bible alludes to a man who was on a journey as well. He's very successful and he came to a place of worship. Not even knowing how to worship God. But he had a desire within him to do so. And it's our one passage we're going to look at in Acts 8. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high official of Candon's, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to, the, to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The Spirit told Philip, go and join the chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I? He said, unless someone guides me and so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. A very powerful, influential man driving a chariot, alright? So equivalent maybe to a Ferrari, I don't know. He's from Ethiopia, he's a long way from Jerusalem, but he has a desire to know God. And he was called and he just couldn't ignore the calling. And not only did he have a great heart, but so did Philip, because Philip too was listening to God. The story doesn't work without Philip listening to God, to the Spirit, and deciding, you know, I got to do something about it. I got to act on this. I actually got to do it. I'm pretty sure Philip wasn't expecting that this was going to happen, right? Running up to a chariot, 
Kind of looks a little weird. But it's interesting that Philip would do it. It says something. It speaks volumes about who he was and his relationship with God. Maybe Philip was praying. Praying, God, send me to open people. Help me to find open people who are desiring you, who want to find you. But I do know this. This is probably not the way he wanted it to be. He probably wanted it to come from after preaching a lesson that, yeah, for sure, right now, someone's going to come to me, they're going to surrender themselves to me, and now they're going to come and want to live their life for God. But no, instead, God's like, hey, you see that chariot over there? Yeah, you, you, should, you should go run after it. And Philip's like, uh, no, yeah, yes, okay, yeah, sure, if that's what you want. Where are you today? You know, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, and that's okay. We've all been there. Some are still there. But do you feel like the Scriptures are foggy? Do you feel like, man, you know, I've been trying to figure this out on my own. I've been, I've been looking through the Scriptures, but I can't figure it out. And, you know, to comfort yourself, you say things like, you know, I think I got this, but in your heart, you really truly want to say, I don't. I don't have it all together. Maybe you have someone... Uh, you are someone who has said yes to following Jesus. But you find yourself saying more to Him than you do saying yes. Maybe you're not even sure you can hear God anymore. Are we listening? Listening to God. It's easy to ask God, I want answers. I want answers, give them to me now. But are we equally devoting as much time listening for what those answers are. God reveals them to us in moments. And like, if you're like me, you know, sometimes we want those big moments, right? We want God to just totally light up our room. We want Him to write our name on the wall or on the sky. And then for sure we will know God is here and everything will be all good. We will worship Him. But you know, I think sometimes we do that or we ask that because we don't want to listen to God. We don't want it. It's not the way that we want it. It's not the way that He's revealing Himself to us. You know, it's sometimes I want a Christianity without the repentance. You know, I want Christianity without the denial of self. I don't want to give up everything. I don't want the commitment portion of it. I just want to take. I want to take advantage of God. And you know what's crazy is that God lets us choose that. But there will come a time where that won't last. Listening is a choice. And we can choose to avoid the amazing things that God has in store for us. And that should terrify us. I mean, that's a terrifying thought. But so is that we can actually choose how amazing our lives can be or not be. We think that the freedom that comes... You know, that uh, we have is like, okay, that's great. But then, you know, we think about paying taxes and stuff. We're like, oh, no, that's not that great. Having this freedom and we think it will bring us happiness. But it actually means we have a responsibility to choose. You and I have to choose here today. When we're approached with situations that seem too perfect, what do we do? As someone who's looking for God, when you've seen how God is working to bring you closer to Him. He's working on your family. He's working in your, in your job situation. He's working behind the scenes. Do you just think it's merely coincidence? Do you think it's just happening by chance? Or you're following God. You're, you're a disciple. In the same light here, 
can you see the dots? Can you connect the dots in the relationships that you have right now? The blessings you have been given financially, emotionally, relationally, the marriages that you have, the friendships. You see the world hurting around you. You see your single friends and the path that they're taking. You see the tension between uh, you know, kids and their teens and things like that and their parents. And our response is, I'll do that later. I'll speak up about that. I'll help out later. Are we too busy? Are we too afraid? Are we too comfortable to open our mouths and act on the things that God is telling us to act on? You know, when I first made the choice to follow God 21 years ago last month, I was confronted with all kinds of issues, right? And anyone who's gone through this journey knows, become a disciple, that you have to face the fact with faith that we have a lot of issues. We have a lot of baggage. We are messed up. We are jacked up. We're broken. And that's an uncomfortable thing. It's why maybe we giggle right now in our seats. And we don't like that. And it's hard, especially when you got to be vulnerable. you got to admit certain things. you got to be honest and real about your life. Especially with people who are just as jacked up as you. It's hard. But I still made the choice on who I was going to make God be in my life. Because of my issues, I knew and still know today, I need help. And if you think you could do this by yourself, you think we could do this by ourselves, we can't. We wouldn't need the church. Church. And this is not something we can do ourselves. God used Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch together. This is not a one-player game. This is not... Him reading, finding answers, and baptizing himself. This is he needed help with Philip. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about that. The one another scripture. We're going to be talking about how to help each other grow and mature. The transformation that happens after the conversion of our lives. But too often we think of our lives of a singular moment. That my choices don't affect anyone else. And that's not simply true. It's how we excuse our behavior Well, you know, it only affects me. What's the big deal of what's happening here? What's the big deal about this affecting, you know, maybe me and my wife and our young marriage, our older older marriage, or affecting my kids, or getting good grades? What does that matter? How I love my neighbor, or the kind of work I produce in the workplace, or the kinds of convictions that we pass on to the next generation? How does that matter? It absolutely matters. The convictions you heard today weren't just by chance. They are passed down. The convictions. I stand on the shoulders of the older brothers and sisters who've had conviction to pass down the Word of God and to keep His standard. I don't get to just make this up. I don't get to just... I'm not that spiritual. But our main example will always be Jesus. When we open our mouths, it's all about Jesus. And as we close here, verse 32, the passage that the eunuch was reading, it read, He was led by like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before his shears, so he does not open his mouth. There are times when we don't open our mouths, and this is one of them. When God wants us to obey, we obey. And in His humiliation, justice was denied Him. Who will describe his generation? 
for his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about? Himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with this scripture. And as they were traveling down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What would keep me from being baptized? And so he ordered the chariot to stop. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Why? For the forgiveness of sin, because that is the only way salvation comes. Through the waters of baptism. But Jesus suffered humiliation for our chance to have a connection with God. And this is a difficult call. And because it was difficult, they knew that He needed to do something radical. But as we sit here today, I mean, how many more miracles do we have to see to trust God completely? Come on, Will. How many more times do we need to see other people's lives? I'm fired up about Chris and Michelle and their kids. We get to raise our kids together. But how many more do you need to hear about other people's lives for you to finally believe that maybe maybe that could be me too? How many more incredible stories do we need to hear about somebody's lives being transformed into something they can't even recognize before we say that maybe God does have power. I'm inspired by our teens. They're incredible. And it's so hard to be someone who wants to follow God as a teen while spending so much of your time with people who aren't trying to focus on getting getting to heaven, the thing that is eternal. No boundaries. The pressure to be like them is so hard. But as you've heard today, and for many others in this room who have gone before them, Many have decided to put their trust in God. Many of them, like Samuel, have stood up and said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Are we answering the call to be right with God? How many times will you let yourself be crushed and let let the world come down on you before you say, I need help? We've been given such good news. And that man was compelled. He saw a dirty little pool on the road he said I gotta do this I gotta do this now I don't know about you but I might not have been as trusting I don't know what diseases were back then I'm sure malaria was one of them but you know he was like for some reason this this compelled him the good news and are we treating the good news like it is good news are we treating the good news like it's news that nobody wants to hear And so we don't open our mouths. This is something to absolutely open our mouths about. And the more and more you push off the feeling of God prompting you to to open your mouth, to speak up for God, you know what happens? The more we start to recycle what we know and what we have. And I'm not talking about forgetting the things of the past. I'm not talking about, you know, those stories are old, you know, we need new ones. But they should feel fresh faith in us that God is alive and He wants to do just as incredible things as He did before today. But the more we don't listen to God, the more we don't pray to God, we become deaf to the miracles that God is throwing in our path. The more we don't listen to Him, we get a bad view, a wrong view of God. 
And here he is. He wants to be close to each one of us, just as like he wanted to be close to the eunuch. And the eunuch was not anywhere near qualified to have a relationship with God. He wasn't God's favorite by any chance. Someone who uh, people would say was spiritual, had it all together. And yet God heard his cries. And he sent a message to Philip to go save that man. Why not you? Why not you who's in this room? You were meant to be here. All the things that you've been doing, your life has brought you here. Listen to what God is saying. The prayers that you've offered up, that you wonder whether or not someone has been listening, if God is out there, they've had an effect. He saw your heart. Those who've decided to follow Jesus, not only have we been found, but now we've been a people to find people. Are you convinced of that? Are you convinced that you've been found? Convinced people convince others. And by changing lives, one person at a time, we change the world into a place that's dominated by love and not by hate. Saving not only ourselves, but those around us who are suffering without God. So let's listen. Do you hear God speaking to you here today? Let's close out in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the incredible opportunity it is to speak on your behalf and to be taught through your word on your voice and what you're calling us to be. Thank you that you have plans for each one of us, that your view of us is so high. You care about us so much. You demonstrated that through what you did through your son Jesus and what he was willing to do so that all of us could have a chance. All of us could decide and make the choice that could impact our lives for today and for all eternity. Not just our lives, but those around us. What an incredible thought. And if we're here today listening to these words, I pray, Father, that you would reach each heart. Speak loudly, clearly to each one of us and the decisions that you want us to make to glorify you and for your name to be glorified through all generations and all ages and races and backgrounds to bring you that kind of glory. Father, we do ask as we close here today that you'd be in a special way with Sharika Nelson recovering from hip surgery. You'd be with Alicia's dad, Jim, who suffered a stroke last night. God, that we'd keep our brothers and sisters, we'd keep those around us in our prayers. But then after that, we would be ready to listen to how you want us to move and engage this hurting world. Father, thank you for first engaging us through all the ways that you've worked. We love you. We thank you. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.